You're listening to Comedy Central. July 29, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. is an iconic actor and legend here to talk about her brand new movie, Otherhood. Angela Bassett is joining us, everybody. So excited. But first, let's catch up on today's headlines. Video games. They used to be the consolation prize for not going to the prom. But now, (laughs) thanks to video games, nerds can buy the prom. This morning, 16-year-old Kyle Buga Giersdorf is waking up $3 million richer after being named to the first-ever Fortnite World Cup champion. The Pennsylvania teen beating over 40 million competitors from around the world to play a six-game series on the World Cup stage. Buga's mom says her son has been playing video games since he was three years old and currently plays Fortnite between eight and ten hours a day. When I started playing, my family was kind Kinda, they weren't too sure about it, but what I told them is that eventually it'd pay off. Pretty much did. Hell yeah, it paid off. This kid got $3 million for being the best at a video game, huh? This is gonna change everything, especially how parents run their homes. Yeah, cause now parents are gonna be dragging their kids inside the house. Be like, no more playing with your friends and getting exercise. You need to be practicing your headshots, young man. That mortgage isn't gonna pay for itself. And by the way, by the way, I've seen people online saying, oh, Fortnite isn't a real sport. How can they get this much money? You need to calm down, all right? Because what is a real sport anyway, huh? You realize that in one month, in that same stadium, is gonna be people who are paid to hit a little ball at one another and make sex sounds, okay? That's what they're gonna be doing, (laughs) right? And then they play tennis afterwards. Like, I mean... Every sport is a made-up sport. It's not like God ever came down and was like, I bestow upon you the sport of hockey for all the people, but mostly white people, but all the people. And P.K. Subban, he's amazing. (laughs) All right, moving on. We just had a beautiful summer weekend. People everywhere were out enjoying their lives, you know, going to the beach, the park, that kind of stuff. But President Trump spent the weekend doing what he loves best, fighting with his enemies. So let's check in on all the president's beefs in our recurring segment, President Trump, Commander in Beef. I'm gonna hit them back, and if I give them a whack, you think I could take this guy in Knock the crap out of him, would you? Like to punch him in the face. In our first beef, it is Trump versus France. He may love their military parades and their loose views on monogamy, but when it comes to French wine, he likes to pair that with a side of beef. President Trump's next target for tariffs may be French wine. The president says he's considering a new tax as a retaliatory measure. France has just announced a new tax on American tech companies like Facebook and Google. Wrong, wrong thing to do. They should not have done it. So I may do that. I may, I've always liked American wines better than French wines, even though I don't drink wine. I just like the way they look. Well, such a strange thing. I don't drink wine. I just like the way it looks. Now I'm imagining Trump ordering wine at a restaurant. He's just like, "Uh, anything to drink, sir? Yes, bring me a bottle with your finest label. (laughs) Perhaps something with a picture of a castle on it. We're celebrating. (laughs) 
And this is obviously a dumb reason to give for imposing tariffs on a country. But if we're honest, if we're being honest, we all judge wine based on how it looks. Yeah, when you go into a wine store, you have no idea what you're buying. No one's really thinking, oh, 2014, that was a good year for German Rieslings. <laughs> what you're really thinking is, what can I get for under $12 that looks like it's over $20? <laughs> That's all you're thinking. And Trump wasn't just picking international fights over the weekend, no. He was also picking fights closer to home and also about his home. Speaking of President Obama, President Trump is blaming him for the inadequate air conditioning at the White House. The Obama administration worked out a brand new air conditioning system for the West Wing. And it was so good before they did the system. Now that they did the system, it's freezing or hot in here. <laughs> Wait, what? He's seriously blaming President Obama for the temperature in the White House? You see, this is what happens when you've run out of things to blame Obama for. It's almost like Trump is just looking around the room for new materials. Like, you know, this office wasn't always oval. It used to have beautiful corners, but Obama stole them. <laughs> and by the way, by the way, there is no way that President Obama is to blame for making the White House too cold. All right, never in the history of the world has any black person wanted to make their office colder. That's not a thing. <laughs> When God was making the earth, he gave everyone winter. And then he got to Africa, and Africans were like, no, no, we'll just take their sun. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. So... So Trump started his weekend off beefing with Obama and French wine. But then on Saturday, he took his beefs to the next level. In more than a dozen tweets over the weekend, the president disparaging Congressman Elijah Cummings, calling his majority black district around Baltimore, Maryland, a disgusting rat and rodent infested mess where no human being would want to live. The president's Twitter offensive comes after Cummings grilled Trump's acting Homeland Security Secretary about conditions along the border. It's the second time in two weeks that Trump has come under fire for racial attacks against members of Congress. But now Trump insists Democrats are the ones playing the race card, tweeting Cummings is racist. And there you have it, folks. Congressman Cummings criticizes Trump's border policies, and in response, Trump tells him to go back to his rat and rodent-infested city. Which is not exactly how you'd expect an American president to talk about an American city. And what makes it even more disturbing is that, as multiple people have pointed out, this language is part of a pattern. Right? President Trump always uses the word infestation when talking about people of color. Almost always uses it. He said illegal immigrants are infesting America. He said Congressman John Lewis's Atlanta district is crime-infested and that the squad must go back to their crime-infested countries. Like, you don't need to be a genius to see what Trump is implying because he's not a subtle person. Like, if Trump was a painter, his aunt wouldn't need to be interpreted. It would just say, <laughs> I'm sad in giant letters. <laughs> you go, oh, what does this mean? And, like, here's the thing, here's the thing. I think people are missing the point. People are like, are you saying Baltimore doesn't have rats? Is that what you're... No, it's not about that. I'm not saying Baltimore doesn't have rats. Of course it has rats. But you know which other cities have rats? All the best cities in the world. All of them. Paris, London, New York, they all have a rat problem. In fact, I'm starting to think that if your city doesn't have rats, it's because you live in a boring-ass city and your food sucks. <laughs> yeah. Because rats... Rats... wanna have a good time, too. Everyone's seen the photo of Pizza Rat, but people don't realize <laughs> later that night, he changed into Opera Rat. He has many tastes. 
But once again, America is stuck in another debate. Many people say Trump's words are clearly racist, but Trump says it's the black people who are the true racists because they keep bringing up race every time someone says something racist. (laughs) It's a little suspicious, you have to admit. (laughs) A little convenient. To be honest, my friends, it is hard to know which side is correct, which means it's a perfect case for Trevor Noah, racism detective. You see, he's the only person who can help us figure out, is Donald Trump racist? Yes, he's racist. (laughs) Thanks, Detective. We'll be right back. (laughs) Welcome back to The Daily Show. Studies. They tell us what to eat, how to exercise, and which of our favorite things are giving us cancer. (laughs) All of them. (laughs) But with new studies coming out every day, sometimes it's hard to keep up. Luckily, though, we've got Dulce Sloan in our brand new segment, Studies Show. Hi, friends. This week's studies are all about relationships, specifically romantic relationships. Everybody wants one, especially me. (laughs) I thought I was in one until he told me that his gifts were just Amazon packages because he's my mailman. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) All right. I can tell when somebody's playing hard to get. (laughs) And thanks to new studies, we're learning all sorts of things about relationships, like this one, which shows that the only thing gold diggers are mining for is french fries. According to a new study, many women are choosing free meals over relationships. The study in the journal Social, Psychological, and Personality Science says up to a third of women have engaged in a foodie call. It's when a person sets up a date with somebody they have no romantic interest in, all for a free meal. That's right. Studies show a third of all dates are just people trying to eat for free. So, fellas, sometimes that eggplant emoji just means I'm in the mood to eat eggplant. (laughs) There's only one emoji that always means sex, and it's the hockey net. Cause you're about to score, and it's nice and wide. (laughs) And if you're trying to figure out what's going to happen to your relationship after the first date, We got studies for that, too. Have you ever witnessed a couple making out in public and thought, get a room? A surprising new study found that the amount of affection between you and your partner may determine whether or not a marriage will last. And we're talking about public displays of affection. They found that couples who are overly affectionate from the start of their relationship may be more likely to divorce. So... (laughs) PDA couples are more likely to break up. Ha! That's what you get! (laughs) Always getting a third base in the stationary aisle of Walgreens. (laughs) 
Get your mouths off each other. I'm trying to pick a birthday card for my grandma. I don't need y'all licking all the envelopes. And why do people have to make out in public like they haven't seen each other in a decade? He just got back from the bathroom, not Afghanistan. <laughs> Although if you did just come back from Afghanistan, thank you for your service. <laughs> Get it wet. <laughs> but if you want to keep your relationship healthy, this last study shows a little jealousy can go a long way. Smart device snooping, it's something more people do than will admit. But can secretly scanning your partner's phone actually help your relationship? A new study says maybe. According to a study from the University of British Columbia and the University of Lisbon, about 25% of the participants said that their relationship got stronger after they or their significant other were caught snooping. The study concluded this strengthened bond came from a heightened desire to solve trust issues. You hear that, Daryl? <laughs> I wasn't snooping, I was strengthening the relationship. <laughs> okay? You're gonna complain that I face ID you in your sleep? Well, if you don't want that to happen, stop leaving your face open. <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, I have ordered several packages to my apartment. <laughs> to have dinner ready for when my man drops them off. Do say slow to everybody. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is a Golden Globe Award-winning actor who stars in the new Netflix movie, Otherhood. Please welcome Angela Bassett. What's Thank up, you. Auntie? Oh, nephew. You get that everywhere? I feel <laughs> I like everyone greets you like that everywhere in the world. Welcome Actually, to The Daily Show. Thank you. I did get it earlier today. You so, have to yeah. get it. You <laughs> have to get you, you have so many iconic roles that have now spanned through time. When, when you look back, is there any one role where you think to yourself, that was the first time where people came up to me in the streets and just started reciting lines to me? Mm-hmm. It was... It definitely was love. What's love got to yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. That Eat was the like... Eat cake, anime. <laughs> <laughs> Eat the cake. Eat the cake. <laughs> it, 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 it's... It's an understatement to say that you're a legend of the screen. You know, um, across continents, people have loved what you do. You, you, you're known as somebody who's played some of the most gripping roles. You know, for instance, playing Tina Turner on screen, you, you know, a powerful role that was painful. Mm. And now we're seeing you going all the way into comedy. Is, is, is there something, or is there a realm that you see yourself most comfortable in, or you just like, I just crush it all? <laughs> I don't say that, I don't feel that. I'll Definitely. say for you, you crush it all. All right. What do you, what do you have more fun doing? <laughs> I think I love, I love the drama. Oh, okay. I love the drama, but um, this role, Otherhood, was more comedic. Right. So that was freeing, fun every day. You didn't have to, you know, <laughs> go there every night. So that was a great deal of fun. But I actually love stage. Right. Yeah, that's oh. my first love. Okay. Stage, so I'm hoping in my Otherhood, that I'll be able to get back to that. I, I, to, right. I, I think you will be able to, because like, you, you know, this, this story was great because 
it felt like a story you were telling about yourself, about moms out there, about just women in general. The story of Otherhood follows yourself and some friends of yours, you know, as characters who have young children who have moved into the city and no longer think that they're kids, but they act like kids. Right. They and they've abandoned their, their moms. They don't need don't their moms. Don't need them anymore. Right. They taught, taught us every lesson that we need to know. We're gone off. We got it. We packed it away. See ya at Christmas. Maybe. You know, right. we're not too busy. Which is kind of like what I did, <laughs> you know, growing up. But when you see them, like, you know, what, what I love about the movie is the moms say, no, we're, we're gonna go. Like, we saw your character there in that clip, and she's like, no, I'm, I'm coming to see you. I'm gonna go. I'm not leaving until he says he loves me and he needs me. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see yourself ever doing that? You've got two kids now, 13, right? I have done it. What do you mean? <laughs> 13. You know, because, well, my daughter, she gives me kisses every day. Yes. She's very easy, you know, free with that. Like, I love you, mom. You know, on the phone. Right. There's always three kisses before you get off. My son, he's just too cool for school. And, uh, you know, there, I've had to sit him down and say, I love you and I work hard. <laughs> I sacrifice being here, to, you know, to make things nice for you. And it would be nice if you would say, I love you, mom, or can we spend some time? Uh, I mean, just He's already at that age? He was at that stage. You know, kids go through stages. Right, right, right. You I know, thought they hug you, they like cling. cuddly. No, no, he's mm. like, he's like, I'm a man now, I'm out. Yeah, kinda, kinda. I'm a 13 year old man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my abs, see? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, he's, he's, he's come back around. He's pretty loving through here, but I know it's a passing phase. I know it, like right. every other phase is, is coming on. When, this when might you, be a passing one. You seem like a very, um, down to earth and simple person considering the world that you live in. Is, is that like the stage you or is that just you? That's just me. Yeah? Yeah. How yeah. do you think you've remained grounded in all of these years? Because if I was a legend, I would not be grounded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't think so. You're like one of the most down to earth, just like genuine, beautiful people I've ever met, but you're also a legend. If I was a legend, I would tell people I am a legend. <laughs> okay. I would begin every sentence with, as a legend. As you know, <laughs> as a legend. Right. But what do you, but what do you think has, has kept you being you for all of these years? You know, I think the wonderful family that, that raised me, the simplicity in mm -hmm. which I was raised, you know, single mom, you know, just working hard, trying to, you know, make a dollar out of 15 cents, as they right, say. Right. My auntie, who I did, who I love so much, she said, don't, don't waste your college education. Don't waste your education on theater because it's, I guess, it's not gonna work out. It right. may not work out for you. It's so tenuous and, and you know, and, and unimaginable, um, but it did work out. You know, oh, it it did work out, but it didn't have to. But it took hard work and it took opportunity. Opportunity meeting your preparation. And, uh, and, and here I sit, a legend, as you said. <laughs> Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.